Welcome, everybody, to Chariots of Light. We are thrilled that you're here, and we've had a great time already with our leaders, and we're going to have a great time in the service tonight. We've got Jesse and Kathy DePlantis with us. Give them a good hand. Stand up, guys. Stand up. Let them see you. Amen. We're just so thrilled that you're here, and thank all of you presidents and vice presidents and area leaders for such a great job you've been doing all year. We want a lot of people to Christ. We'll be giving you some reports about that. But I'm telling you, God is using this organization to win people, not only here in Texas, but all over the nation, praise God, and in the other nations that we have Chariots of Life established as well. We've got uh, Australia representatives here. Come on. Stand up, guys. Stand up, Tony. Stand up. All right. We've got Canada represented here. Where's our Canadian? Right here, right here, right here. Praise God. Amen. And we're establishing chapters even as I speak, praise God. And God is doing some marvelous things. I was told today that in the last three years, through Chariots of Light, one-on-one evangelism, over 100,000 decisions for Christ. Isn't that great? Praise God. Hallelujah. And since 2006, there's been 156,000, about 156,000. Is that right? Inform Billy, act like he didn't know. <laughs> Over 156,000 people have come to Christ through Chariots of Light. Come on, that's something to shout about. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Well, our theme this year for this rally is revved up and ready to ride. And let me give you some definition of what it means to be revved up. It means to increase your level of excitement. Is that working in here already? Has anybody increased their level of excitement? Go ahead and prove it. I'm not convinced yet. Prove it. Hallelujah. Amen. It also means to increase your level of expectancy. Amen. We're expecting great things in the days to come. It means to accelerate sharply. Amen. We're not, we're not lagging behind. We're picking up the pace, praise God. It means to stimulate and to enliven. It means to advance and to hasten. It means to step it up. Look at your neighbor and say, we are stepping it up. Amen. And then finally, it means to become more productive. That's what revved up is all about, to become more productive. And that's what we're believing God for in these coming days. We've got um, one more uh, tour, Chariots of Light, coming up this year in October, October the 25th through the 29th in California. Where's all our California representatives? Stand up, California. Everybody from California, stand up. Hallelujah. Amen. October 25th through 29th. If you haven't made plans to be there, 
Go ahead and make your plans now. We always have a great tour in California. And um, also, I want to remind you that we have some special uh, T-shirts and long sleeve shirts for this rally. And uh, be sure and go out and check it out. Make sure you get one before you leave. Revved up and ready to ride. All right. And then uh, a new long sleeve T-shirt. Chariots of Light, Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. Be ready for the ride of your life. Amen. So go out and make sure you get one of those. You don't have to be a member of Chariots of Light to purchase those. All the proceeds go into the outreaches where we send our teams uh, all over the nation. And uh, we've got one more uh, outreach coming up in next week, I believe, in Arkansas. And uh, so we'll be giving you some reports about all that a little later. Praise God. So once again, I want to thank all of you for coming. And uh, those of you that are not members of Church Light, we certainly welcome you. We're glad you're here. All of you that are members of uh, Heritage Faith Christian Center, we welcome you and thank you. And, of course, we have a, a lot of people that uh, are part of the church here that are assisting and helping. Let's give a good hand to all the ministry of helps. Praise God. Amen. And then, of course, I'd like for you to give a good hand to all the staff that are working from Jerry Savelle Ministries International. Amen. Praise God. You know, they, they do all the work, and uh, I just come in here and look good. Praise God. But thank God for faithful people. Thank God for loyal people that catch the vision and run with it. Hallelujah. So we are certainly grateful and thankful for that. So, are you ready for Jesse to plan us? Are you ready? All right, now, when Jesse preaches, you have to be revved up. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to increase our level of excitement. Amen. Let's let Brother Jesse know how much we appreciate him being here and being part of Chariots of Light. Come on, give it up. Praise the Lord. You can be seated if you can. And if you can't, stand up. I don't care. Glory to God. What a blessing of the Lord. I feel like, I, feel like I'm riding here. Hallelujah. What an honor it is once again to be at the chariots of light. And one day we'll be on a chariot heading out with the light. Wouldn't that be something Jesus come doing one of these rallies? I know what some of y'all would do because you'd be strong enough. You'd grab your bike and just take it with you. Come on. <laughs> and ain't staying on the earth. <laughs> Such an high honor, high honor to be here. And I mean that sincerely. And uh, God has been so good and gracious. And I uh, appreciate Jared asking me to come back. What a blessing to God. And, uh, you know, we enjoyed ourselves so much last year. And he said, well, let's do it again next year. And I said, okay. And uh, we had just a marvelous time last year. And, and with great expectancy. Praise the Lord. We're looking for it for this year. Now, don't you just love those numbers? Yeah. My God, 100,000 people. You know, the Bible said one soul is worth more than the whole world. So think about it. If you want a soul, that's more than the planet Earth. One. Now, 100,000 planets. And then since 2006, 150,000 or 50-something thousand. Think about that, see. See, we have a slogan in our ministry called reaching people, changing lives. One soul at a time. 
You don't do it by the crowds. You do it one soul at a time. If you know something about Jesus, when he saved people, one soul at a time. Even though there might have been thousands come forth, one soul at a time. Because he could speak to each one. And he, he, like he wasn't talking to anybody else. It was just them. And it was a blessing. But yet he could do it for the whole world. And that's what you need to understand. Always remember that people are so vitally important. And I'll never forget one time Jesus told me something. He said, Jesse, make me wealthy. I thought, you ain't doing too bad, God. <laughs> and my God, you got pearly gates, diamond barrel, jasper, onyx. And he interrupted me. He said, I don't count my wealth by that stuff. I count my wealth by the souls I possess. Think about that. So you that went out and got somebody born again, you just made God wealthier. Amen. Isn't that a blessing? I'm preaching, man. Y'all shouting right now. Like Praise the Lord. Uh, my wife, Kathy, said, would you come on, give her a microphone? Jared, somebody, I want her to say something. He got one right here. This is Kathy. Here, give her a handcuff as she comes. Hallelujah. Praise God. Such a blessing to be here. Thank you, Jerry, for inviting Jesse back because I, I get to come with him. <laughs> and I love, you know what? I'm, it's so loud. Excuse That's right. No, go ahead, baby. You're always loud. Get down with your bad self. Go. <laughs> I was just thinking about how special it is for all the relationships that are over here in the house. I don't know all of you as well as I know a few, but I can tell that you all are friends. When we come together like this, God is so pleased. Such a precious... Taking time to come here and be a part of this is so important and um, because God has a great, great vision. We walked through the trailer just a few minutes ago. It was so beautiful. Amen. Give God a great hand clap for that. And it's so awesome to be part of something that does what they say. You know, we, they raised funds for it last year. And here we are. We come back. There it is. And it's in the ministry, all ready to go out and reap the souls. It's like instead of just a, a single tractor, it's a combined harvester. Hallelujah. So I'm expecting great things in the years ahead. I know God has anointed y'all on per- with a great anointing to go out and reach those lost souls. And like Jesse said, that's what it's all about. He was the first lost soul that I reached. <laughs> I think I... I think I did a good job. And that just goes to say that a little girl who had never read the Bible, who watched Billy Graham on television, gave her heart to Jesus Christ, and was living with a heathen... <laughs> can speak a word that will touch his heart that God would use. So God can use each one of us Amen. to transform lives. And that's why we're here this weekend. God bless you. Give her a hand clap. Okay. Hallelujah. Yeah, I'll tell you what. She made up her mind to get me saved. Ain't that a kick? I couldn't get over that. I said, woman, you done lost your ever-loving mind. I said, that's not going to happen. I had a scotch and water in this hand and a tequila margarita in this hand and some joints in this pocket. <laughs> I took trips and never left my house. I flew, boy, I tell you what. But she refused to give up. She just said, it's just your tough luck. You married me. Your mama said it. Got the promise of the family down to a thousand generations. You don't realize how powerful that promise is. You know, there's over 7,000 of them. And most people only get about maybe 15 of them in their whole lifetime when you can have over, over 7,000 of them. And God is so good and gracious. So give Kathy another hand clap. She's a blessing. Thank you, Jesus. What a blessing. Hallelujah. If you got your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Joshua chapter 1? I like that theme, revved up and ready to ride, right? What I've learned about God, he's always revved up. I've never seen God when he wasn't excited. 
I don't know about you, but it's exciting to be saved. I'm not saved enough to be miserable. I've seen some miserably saved people. They just ought to go to hell, I guess, what they ought to do. I don't know. Maybe they didn't get born, get born again the way I got born again, but I, just, I have enjoyed my Christianity. That doesn't mean the devil don't fight us, but I refuse to fight him. Why would I fight somebody already defeated? That's a waste of spiritual energy. See, I don't have time for that foolishness. I just go on and do what God told me to do. And you know, when I, when I read, when they gave me my paperwork, which I very seldom ever read, you know, my staff, Mary and them, all, all, they give me my, this is where you're going, this is what you're going to do. I said, okay. And, but I said, revved up. I said, revved up, Lord Jesus. And you know, God's always going somewhere. God never just, it never sits back and moves. He's constantly moving. He's still creating. Right now, while I'm speaking, the, the universe is expanding faster than the speed of light. Think about that right now. Right now. In one second, you 186,000 miles, whoop, and still going and going and going, and light can't catch it. Did you feel it? Did you feel something? Right now, the earth is, is moving at 66,000 miles an hour. Right now, going around the sun. You didn't even feel it, did you? That's how good God is. And I'm telling you, you're not just, I mean, you literally moving at 66,000 miles an hour going, as, it, as it orbits around the sun. Then the Milky Way galaxy, Lord Jesus, 140,000 miles a second. That's the kind of God we serve. Now, if that's that's not designer, I don't know what is. And yet you couldn't feel it. Because you don't go by what you feel. You go by what you believe. That's what God did. He said all this stuff and hung it on nothing. And the theoretical physicists are trying to figure out what's keeping it together. They say it must be dark matter. We don't know what it is, but we know it exists. They said, we know it's there, but we don't know what it is. We're just trying to get it. It's called dark matter. Because you see, what happened is all the planets are just slung out in the interstellar space. Something holding that Milky Way galaxy. Then something moving the galaxy is called dark energy. Because they can't see it, so they call it dark. To me, if you can't see it, I call it light. See, now faith is something things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. See, it's God speaking the word of the Lord. So I want to talk a little bit about that revved up, if that's all right. We'll deal with something like that. Let me just give you an idea how, how quick God wants to move. God don't care if you're at a funeral. Now, he's not against funerals, but my Lord, he don't like to hang around too much with dead people, so he just raised them. And Jesus couldn't go to funerals. He'd mess them up. You know what I'm saying? Trying to bury somebody, say, get up. And the guy said, I never want to be dead anyway. I just think I'll go home. I want to show you something. There's a funeral going on here in Joshua chapter 1. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, people are mourning him. See, God ain't much to mourning either because he he took you. He bore your grief and took your sorrow. You hear people say that you got to learn to grieve. No, you don't. The devil used that to beat your brains out. You see, when you understand where that person's at, especially if they're born again, you got nothing to grieve about. Not a thing. Let's read. I'm reading out of a New American Standard, but uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. Get up, get out of here. Think about that. And you would think I'd be rude, wouldn't you? But not to God. See, God's revved up, ready to go. He said, What are we doing here? The whole reason I brought y'all out here was to get to the promised land, and you had a funeral? Don't shout me down with preaching. I'm telling you, when you revved up, you move. You know, you revved up. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. That's verse 2. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. 
every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I said to Moses. In other words, he believes in real estate. Every place you put your foot, you should never stop walking. Why? Because them boots are made for walking. Think about that for a minute. You never should stop walking because every place your foot touches becomes yours. Do you see that? How do I know that? Psalms 115 verse 16 says, The heavens, even the heavens are the Lord, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. But we got to walk it out. We got to possess it, not just confess it. Now, I believe in confession. Don't misunderstand me. But I believe in possession. What you confess, you must possess. See, because most people don't believe this stuff, so we got to show them something. See, the Bible said natural man receiving not the things of God. You can't talk spiritual things other than saying a salvation thing. My Lord, and then all of a sudden when you show him the light of the gospel inside of you, oh, I want that light. Amen. He said, every place that your foot puts, everything. And I made up my mind, everything I put my hand on is mine. Because God said I could have it. Every place I put my foot belongs to me. People said, that's greed. No, that's growth. That's just obeying what God said. Let's keep reading here. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He's, and then he tells them the boundaries from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites. He don't care about what the Hittites say. All the land of the Hittites into the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Do you know Israel still has not possessed that land? You mean thousands of years ago he said that? That's what he said. Well, I know he said that, but they don't have to do what your butt says. It's what he says. Verse 4, from the wilderness of Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. That ought to make you shout. Why? Because God's no respect to person. Nobody can stand before Joshua. Nobody can stand before you. You understand? Same thing Joshua got. Every time God speaks to Joshua, he's speaking to you. Every time he spoke to Abraham, he's speaking to us. We the seed of Abraham. He no respect to person. Do you understand that? What's up in that Bible belongs to you. All you got to do is possess it. Not just confess it, but possess it. Oh, Lord Jesus. Keep reading with me. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Verse 5. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, that's pretty comforting. He said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give it to you. Three types of peace. The peace of God. The peace from God. The peace with God. And it's a gift. You ain't got to ask for it. He gave it to you. Gave you another gift called enter into the rest. Why aren't Christians restful and why aren't they peaceful when they were gifts? You don't have to earn them, they will give to you. Oh, you hear? When I walked in Jerry's house, he gave me a gift, gave me a t shirt, I'm gonna wear it tomorrow, glory to God. You know, doing the bike rides and stuff like that. It was a gift. I mean, I didn't earn it. I mean, he just said, oh, that. it was already waiting for me. It was in a bag waiting for me. Think about that. Isn't that a blessing of God? Before I got here, I didn't know I was getting a shirt. I had no idea. But see, God did. He's revved up, see. He's already got the stuff you believe in for. All you got to do is look in the bag. All you got to do is look in the bag. Lord, our God, keep reading. Ooh, Jesus. Then he tells him how to act. Now, I want you to be strong and of good courage. For unto this people you should divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. I got to keep reading. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you to do. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper whatever you do. How many of you want to prosper? You should not have any any money problem whatsoever at all. None. I don't know why Christians have money problems. What, What is your problem? My Lord, all the money you see is yours. Every locks, ain't no shortage of money. Ain't no shortage. It's just in the wrong hands. 
You fly out to where I landed that jet today, you'll find out there ain't no shortage of money. There are a lot of jets out there. Think about that. Just how much money in motorcycles around here. There ain't no shortage of money, just in the wrong hands. See, so many people say, well, if I could just get some, you already have some. Pick up what's already yours. Quit trying to make something that's already been made. Mm-hmm. Are y'all getting what I'm saying here? Let's keep reading here. Glory to God. He said uh, that everything you do will prosper. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. I have been royally criticized because of my good success. Not only am I successful, I got good success. <laughs> and I don't care what the world says about it, because I refuse to make an excuse for the blessings of God in my life. People get so mad as a heart. It doesn't make it. I just smile and laugh because they can't do a thing about my success. See what I'm saying? And if they mess with me, I don't own that company. I've had a few of these television guys try to eat my lunch. So I say, I don't mess with me. I buy these TV stations and you working for me, sucker. <laughs> and in Louisiana, we can hire and fire you <laughs> if, we just, if we choose to. I want you to think about that for a second. I want to talk about that revved up. If you refuse to be contained... Let me just say it like this. If you refuse to be contained, you cannot be confined. If you refuse to be restrained, you'll never become imprisoned. See, I made it my mind. I don't care what they say. Yeah, but you know, when you go through ministry, times are tough. It hasn't been tough for me. That doesn't mean tough times didn't come. I just didn't receive any of it. I mean, how many times sickness came? It doesn't belong to me. That belongs to a Christian believing for it. They get it every year. Go over there. Now, I know that sounds kind of crazy, and hard, but I put that up. You see, there's something been preached in the Word of Faith that everybody quit preaching. We used to preach a lot on divine healing. We talk about healing, but we never call it divine anymore. Then my God, but we didn't stay in divine healing. We start jumping on divine health. Remember that years ago? Everybody thought, bless God, I ain't getting sick. Who you think you are? You didn't get sick. See, but then we quit that. But there was something higher than that called divine life. See, that's what the Word of Faith was really birthed out of, divine healing, divine health, and divine life. You don't hear much of that anymore. Why, why is that? Faith cometh by hearing. They ran out of faith. So some are not, you can barely get divinely healed, much less divine health, much less divine life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why these things affect people. When Hurricane Harvey was coming to Houston and I realized it, I said, Lord, ain't nobody going to touch my partners. Those are my people. I don't know how many of them we called. I don't know, hundreds of them. And everything was flooded, but every one of my partners' house was on a hill. It was like they was on an island. Isn't that amazing? Faith does work. Prayer does work. And I told him, be be courageous. I said, just walk down the hill and go bless somebody. Be a blessing to them. Get them out the water. You know, do something. I know something about that. I live in hurricane country. You understand what I'm saying? Now, y'all don't understand that by the time it gets here, it ain't nothing. But y'all understand it when a tornado comes. The difference between me and you, you got three minutes and I got 35 days to get out of town. That's the difference. So, so where do you want, where, where you, where you want to live? <laughs> it's coming. You ain't got much chance to run. Me, I got all this day. Get across the whole Atlantic Ocean before it ever gets to me. And I have all that time to rebuke it and poke its eye out. Yeah. Bible said everything named got to bow the name of Jesus. Irma had a name. We bind it because we are going to Sarasota, Florida next week to Keith and Phyllis Moore. We didn't want to go down there without no electricity. Why? Sweating like a mule? We don't want to look like Tony sweating all over the place. <laughs> I saw he going, whoo, Jesus, whoo, Jesus. I thought he T.D. Jakes there for a minute, just sweating everywhere. Praise God. <laughs> no, we want some air conditioning, Florida. And guess what? We got air conditioning. In fact, I, 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 I told him that the whole county's not even been touched. 
Why? Because people begin to believe God. Anybody can believe when everything's going good. Is it when everything looks like it ain't going to make it in? That, that's when your faith really begins to work. That's what he's telling Joshua. I know everybody's sad. Sad. He said, Moses ain't sad. He's with me. Get up. Move. Cross this Jordan. If you refuse to be contained, you will not be confined. Write this down if you're taking notes. To reach a goal in your life. How many of you have goals in life? To reach a goal in your life, you have to live in the moment and have faith for the future. You live in the, in the present, but you have faith for the future. Today's journey is a stepping stone towards tomorrow's dream. Today's journey is a stepping stone toward tomorrow's dream. Let me say it again. To reach a goal in your life, you have to live in the moment and have faith for the future. Today's journey is a stepping stone towards tomorrow's dream. What is the dream of chariots of light? What will you do tomorrow? Because I know what you did today, but what you going to do tomorrow? What you going to do next week? How big? In another year, we're going to have 200,000 people get saved. Or we're going to have a, a million people with, by, by 2020. Why don't you set yourself a goal? You already didn't achieve something beyond most motorcycle ministry could ever even think of. Why don't you put a million, say, come 2020, chariots of light will touch one million souls for the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. Why are you saying it like that? Because if you're not using your faith on something impossible, you're not using your faith. If you're not, belie- if you're not believing for something impossible, you're not using faith. My God, if it's possible, you could do it. You got to get in the realm of impossibility. When you get in the realm of impossibility, God gets up and says, ah, there's a dreamer that knows how to dream. So let me say it again. To reach a goal in your life, you have to live in the moment, have faith for the future. Today's journey is a stepping stone toward tomorrow's dream. So I refuse to just, just, just be idle in my way of thinking, idle in the way of my vision. See, daydreams are idle thoughts. I don't daydream. No, that's just an idle thought. There are a form of escape. It's nice to escape it, but that's not helping you. Determined thoughts is where you ought to go. Not, 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 not daydream or idle thoughts. Determined thoughts have purpose and direction. They are thoughts with intent. They take you to places. I like determined thoughts. I tell people, this is what I'm going to do. Now, it makes the church world mad. It makes the heathen world mad. Who do you think you are? Determined to do what God said I could do. I just made up my mind. I'm not having, I don't have idle thoughts. And everything I'm believing is so completely unbelievable and crazy. That's why it's working. You understand what I'm saying? You know how many people told me I couldn't go on worldwide television? You certainly, if you do, you're going to be busted and broke. Ladies and gentlemen, what is this? Friday night, I am preaching. This week, I preached to 2.9 billion people. In, in 14 different languages across this planet. You understand what I'm saying? Watch it. On every television station I got, and I'm on a lot of television, it's all completely paid for. Every station I got is in the black. Come on, Jesus. Just in the black. I know what I'm talking about, but I didn't put an idle thought to it. I didn't daydream that. I took a determined thought and said, I refuse to be contained. I refuse this. I'm revved up and ready to roll. You see what I'm saying? Going somewhere. But if you don't know where you're going, you're not going to know when you get there. And if you got there, you wouldn't know what to do, what, you, what you're supposed to do. You see, those are, let me say those, those are determined thoughts. Write it down. They have purpose and direction. They are thoughts with intent. Amala, they take you places. See, wandering around in daydreams never let you believe anything. Wandering around in daydreams never let you believe what it takes so you can change what it takes. So start doing what it takes. Oh, you hear what I'm saying? Wandering around in daydreams never let you believe what it takes so you can change what it takes to start doing what it takes. How big you want to get this ministry built? My, you, my God, you, how, get, get, get a figure in your mind. 
And every day, my God, say it out loud. Let people begin to say, every person that's in chairs of life that's under you, tell them, this is what we're going to do. And you never let them forget what they've done. You always tell them what they're doing, and you tell them what they're going to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, because see, faith cometh. You've heard me say it so many times. It don't stack up. I make faith come to me. How do I do it? With my words. See, faith cometh. It don't stack up. It come, come by hearing, not by heard. Come by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. You understand what I'm saying here? That's not daydreams. That's not idle thoughts. My love, because the daydreams don't do nothing. Wandering around in daydreams never let you believe what it takes. So you can change what it takes to start doing what it takes. Can I say this? Your destiny is not firm. Your destiny is not firm. You have to complete your destiny and reach your destination. I think it was about maybe a year, a little over a year and a half ago, I was in my study just praying, and the Lord just broke into my, into my prayer, and he said, Jesse, I'm God. I have the power to take your life. I thought, okay, Lord Jesus, what is he mad about? That's what I thought. He said, but I don't have the authority. And I said, what did you say, Jesus? He said, I am God. I have the power to take your life, but I don't have the authority. He said, death and life's in the power of your tongue, not in mine, yours. So what, how long do you want to live? What he was telling me was my destiny, Jerry, was not firm. It was according to what I would say, according to what I would believe, would be according to what I would see, receive. My proportion of faith would produce what I was believing for. He said, there are a lot of people in heaven that shouldn't be here today. Now, I receive them because I love them, but they never completed their destiny. They never reached their destination because they believed something else other than the word of the Lord God Almighty. Not that they're bad people by no means, you know, and the reason why they may not even know it because nobody was preaching it. Can you preach what I'm saying today? Think you done lost your ever love in mind? Yes. You hadn't figured that out? I've got the mind of Christ. God took a bunch of crazy slaves, pulled them out of Egypt, opened up a Red Sea, froze the ground so they wouldn't be stuck in the mud. You froze it. You understand? The waters congealed. Go read with that way. It froze. And they walked across. And my God, Pharaoh said, I'm going in there too. He said, his arm is in there. Ain't no devil in hell can walk on the ground that a God-chosen person can walk on. All of a sudden, they got stuck in the mud and the water melted. You see what they never even made it back to Egypt, much less going across to the promised land. You see what I'm saying? And you know that whole generation saw all that miracle, none of them made it but three people? Out of that whole generation, only three people crossed that Jordan. Two were alive and one was dead. Joshua and Caleb was alive and Joseph was dead. You can get the promises of God dead. He said, You will not leave my body in this Egypt. You take me to the promised land. Made him swear an oath. That's, that's Genesis chapter 50. You go read it. My God. He said, you will not do, you don't leave me here. He was a prime minister of Egypt. Do you understand? They'd have built a, a, one of them pyramids on top of him. But he said, I'm not supposed to hear. Where my spirit's supposed to go, where my soul's supposed to go, is where my body's supposed to go. See, that's not, that's not an idle thought. That's a determined thought with intent, boy. My Lord, think about that when you understand that. So, so wandering around in daydreams never let you believe what it takes so you can change what it takes to start doing what it takes. Your destiny is not firm. Your free will has been given to you to make a choice. See, destiny happens one day at a time. Remember that song? One day at a time, sweet Jesus. <laughs> think about that. Your destiny is not firm. What you willing to do? What you willing to receive? Because your free will is here to make a choice. How many of you love chariots of light? 
Well, what does a chariot? A chariot don't do nothing unless it's moving. A chariot is not a weapon unless it's running. Right? It may look pretty there. But, I mean, this looks pretty, but it's much better when it's on and somebody riding it. Because not only do people see it, they hear the sound of it as of a Russian mighty one. Or it may, as an Indian, I don't know. (laughs) It may sing to you, glory to God. (laughs) I just came back from the Crow Nation. I couldn't help them. We start praying and Holy Ghost people, man, I went and watched Dancing with Wolves after that. I just couldn't help myself. See, Chariots of Light's destiny is to touch these people that the church doesn't want. Isn't that sad that somebody don't want to talk to somebody because maybe they don't look right, smell right? Think about that. Judge them automatically. Like one person who lost an election because she called us deplorables. Now she's walking around the woods, look like she's smoking dope. What's she doing in the woods all the time? Maybe she'll meet Jesus. She sure been in the woods a lot, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Us deplorables are not in the woods. We're driving cars. Hey, don't shout me now. Is that political? <laughs> Excuse me? Call me a deplorable? You done, are you living in a dream world? Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> if you refuse to be contained. Let me just give you an idea. I use Kathy as an example. I always do. <laughs> you should have seen me when I was young. Lord, I'd have married myself. Boy, <laughs> 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 oh, I had a body, son. Oh, you can't. I, had a, I got a keg now, but I had a six-pack. I was ripped. My God, man. And I was a lifeguard. Tan from here down, boy. Okay, stand out there all the time. I had them muscles, and my muscles would just, but they would move under my skin, kind of like, you know, got a lot of fat on it now, but it didn't know that it didn't. It would just go, <laughs> my good friend Matt Shasson, my Lord, what a good guy. He said, he said, Jesse, there are five girls coming out, coming out the, uh, about ready to come in. It's a big public swimming pool. And they're coming out the girls' locker room and stuff like that. He said, I, I, there's one of them I really like. Her name is Kathy Kyra. I said, oh, okay. He, but he, the boy is so shy. I mean, he wouldn't hardly talk to us. So uh, he talked to us, but he would you know, I said, man, you never, you ain't going to never meet a girl in your life. You got to open your mouth, say something. He said, well, you know, you can talk to him. He's like, yeah, what's up, baby? I can talk to you. Hey, what you want? <laughs> <laughs> so all of a sudden, all five came out. And they all came out in line from the oldest to the youngest. There was Myra. Then there was Deborah. Uh, and then, then there was Kathy. And then there was Christine. And then there was uh, Patty. Now, the last one was his brother. He didn't show up. There was four of them, actually. So why is that? I said, well, which one's Kathy? He said, the one in the middle. I said, the skinny one? He said, yeah, the skinny one. I said, you can have her. I'll take the one in front of her. What's the, what's the one in front of her? He said, man, I, he said, I know their name, but I don't know. I said, hey, I, I can't. I just walked up there and talked to him. Man, and Kathy wouldn't say two words neither. She was so shy. And see, he never said nothing. She never said nothing. I said something. I came home with the prize. <laughs> you see, Matt Chasson had a choice, but his destiny was not firm. You thought I was off the message, didn't you? <laughs> see, his destiny was not firm. Think about that for a minute. That's what God's telling Joshua. What are you at a funeral for? There's a promised land to get. Thank you. He's dead. I, I, I got him. Move. 
I know that sounds hard. I know that sounds rough. See, that's, it's the same thing with finances. A lot of people say, well, I don't have that much. I, I, well, I sound improperly arrogant. A lot of times me and Kathy, when we first started, we didn't have nothing. But we wouldn't even go out and eat so we could give money to our church. Remember that? Even my daughter saw I didn't know Jody noticed those things, saw those things. I never thought of that. I said, no, we're going to give it to this church. Why? Because they wanted to do something. And to me, it was worth doing something than just to feed myself maybe a hamburger that I wanted. You see what I'm saying? I found out that God's vision was far more important than mine. But what I didn't know was my vision was mixed up with God's vision. If I would produce God's vision, he would produce my vision. But I didn't know that then. I just thought, well, you know, we'll do the best we can. He ain't got any interest in you doing the best you can. He's interested in you doing the best he can. Do you see that? So write this down. What, what do you got to have in life? Imagination. What, 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 what am I learning about imagination? Your kids. God, I love imagination. Why? Because, see, imagination is actually a wonderful thing. It makes you believe something you never thought was possible. You know, that's what happened at the Tower of Babel. If you go read Genesis 11, they said, they, there's nothing they, God said, there's nothing they imagined to do. Imagination is a powerful tool. It's not a daydream. Uh-uh. No, imagination, God, is powerful. It's God-given and worth using. When imagination is corporately focused, God takes notice. The planning stages start taking effect. That's what happened. God noticed that, they, that he had to stop that thing or they would build that thing into heaven. See, because they focus. When you focus on your priority, you eliminate all your confusion. You see what I'm saying? So when I saw Kathy, at that, I focused on her and her sister yeah, as a heathen. But I, I, <laughs> I believed in the devil. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, you got to understand. I was, just a, I was a heathen from hell. It was a miracle. People believe in miracles today because of me. <laughs> I'm not lying. I went to my 50th high school reunion. You should have seen that. I said, I got to go see this. Woo, 50 years, do a number on somebody's head. <laughs> Man, but I was so happy to see it. And I think it was out of all the men that was there, only four of us had hair. I was one of them. I thought, look at this, man. And this woman, I still, <laughs> they gave us a, a name plaque, Jerry, and they gave us a picture of us graduating with our cap and gown. But it was real small on the, on, on, you know, on the name tag. But none of us had our glasses, so we couldn't see what it was. <laughs> and you know, 50 years does something to a person. I'm standing there, this woman walks up to me. She goes, whoo, Jesse, how you doing? I said, I, I don't know who I'm talking to. I'm going to try to look at this. She said, boy, did we do it? Did we do it? Me and you, whoo, we did it. I went, uh, that man died. <laughs> hey, you think somebody got to be crazy to say something like that. You know, I walked off. She walked up to Kathy. She said, no, we really did do it. <laughs> Ask Kathy. She said, Kathy said, I did not know him then. <laughs> I mean, because I was a heathen. I was just full of the devil. And when I started preaching the gospel, they said, there is a God. You see, I crossed the Jordan. I got out of the wilderness of life. See, I crossed that Jordan. I said, Lord, where do you want me to go? He said, every place you put your foot, I'll give it to you. Whew, man, what a blessing that was. But I thought, first, my God. I remember I used to sit there. You know, I might be able to preach one of them believers convention. Remember he saying that one time? I said, that would be nice. I didn't know Jerry Savelle. I didn't know Kenneth Carr. I didn't know hardly anybody too much. I mean, I'd met Jerry, but not knowing people at all, you know, just. And then one day at a motorcycle rally, at the uh, full gospel motorcycle rally headed up by Jimmy Hester, 
who's now in heaven. I believe he just transitioned to heaven. Before there was the Eagle Mountain motorcycle ride or Thunderover, Texas. He calls me. I'm in Miami, Florida. He said, have you ever preached a motorcycle rally? I said, no. He said, you like motorcycles? I said, yeah. But I've never preached a motorcycle rally in my life. One of the motorcycle people, I know is hells, angels, and banditos and stuff like that. You mean they got Christian bikers? Yeah. He said, well, I want to start a, the full gospel motorcycle rally. Would you preach Friday night? I said, Jim, I can't. And this was Thursday. I said, I'm trying to get out of Miami now. I'm stuck. I, 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 he said, if I can get you a flight, would you get out? Would you come to Fort Worth, Texas uh, at Brother Copeland's place? I said, well, sure. He said, Jerry Savelle's preaching Sunday morning and Brother Copeland's preaching Saturday night, and I'd like you to start that thing out on Friday night. There was 150 people there. Remember that, Jerry? I'll never forget that. First one we ever had. So for some reason, God opened up a door. I caught a flight and went straight to Dallas. They picked me up there and uh, drove me to Eagle Mountain, you know, the, the ministry. And Brother Copeland was in a little camp, uh, and Jerry. I walked in, you know, when I walked in, you know, Kenneth Copeland goes like, you know, he got the John Wayne walk kind of like a little bit. He goes, hello, I'm Kenneth Copeland. I said, I'm Jesse DePlans, pleased to meet you. I've heard a lot about you. I said, I've heard a lot about you. He said, Jerry, so I said, hey, Jerry, we had met several years before, but never really talked much because he was preaching. I was going out there. He was coming in one or the other. So we sitting there talking. Jimmy said, I'm going to let you guys talk and so get to know each other. He said, I'll be outside if y'all need me. He said, but Jesse, the meeting starts at 7 o'clock. I said, okay. So Brother Colton looks at me and says this. You know, me and Jerry do this all the time. He said, well, why don't all three of us preach? I said, okay with me. That's fine. He said, I tell you, let me start first, Jerry. You get in the middle. Jesse, you close the gate. I said, okay. And all of us preached that Friday night. And then Saturday night, all of us preached again. And then Sunday morning, all of us preached again. I mean, we, we all did it. I mean, we were, it, it actually our first tag team, and I guess you could say in a sense, it was just, it was an amazing thing. It was such a blessing. Well, I mean, my guy Jerry turns the service over to Jimmy on Sunday, and we back, he said, everybody grab by his hand, we're going we're gonna, to uh, dismiss, you know? So my brother Colton's in the middle, Jerry's on the side, I'm right here, and brother Colton grabs my hand, he, he squeezes my hand, and I look at he said, would you pray about preaching one of my believers conventions? I thought, what you, what you say? I said, I can't do that, Brother Copeland. I said, I'm booked solid. I can't do it this year at all. He said, how about next year? I said, I'm booked too, but I can give you three days if you want that. He said, I'll take it. I said, that's fine. And I came. That's my first one I've had 27 years ago. I mean, and it was amazing. You see, what God did was, he said, now, Jesse, and I went in there, and it was the craziest thing I'd ever done in my life. I had never preached a believer's convention. I preached to churches. I preached to convention, but not believers. And then Brother Copeland tells me, he says, give an altar call. I said, give a what? He said, give an altar call. I said, why? He said, well, you don't give altar call? I said, yeah. He said, I, I've seen, you, I've heard and seen how you do that. You, you, you get somebody saved at a gas station. I said, yeah. He said, well, you don't want to do it? I said, yeah. But I said, brother, come ain't nobody going to go. Ain't nobody going to walk forward. He said, well, what makes you say that? I said, it's a believer's convention. <laughs> I mean, does that make any sense? Why would you give an altar call for salvation? And it's a believer's convention? He said, I know it's a believer's convention. I said, wait, wait. wait. I said, ain't nobody going to come. It's a believer's convention. He said, you'd be surprised how many unbelievers we got at a believer's convention. I gave my first altar call at the believer's convention. 602 people came forward. I was, I was astounded more than any of them. This is a believer's convention. My God, man, 602 people. See, a lot of people were sneaking there to find out how Jerry and Kenneth Copeland become successful. They thought, man, it's some kind of gimmick or something, and the Holy Ghost just sneak up behind them and just grab them. You see, they were, see, the Holy Ghost was revved up and ready to go. Isn't that something? 
it was one of the biggest altar calls we ever had doing the, the history of it. And Mac Gober came about four years later, had, what, about a thousand people come or something. It was, I thought, at a believer's convention. How many people in church don't believe? Mm, mm, mm. See, faith is a now thing. Write that down. Faith is a now thing. The word now is a word that connects time. Faith is not the finish line. It's the beginning line. It's not the finish line. It's the beginning line. Faith makes you, it, po- it possesses you to, t- to get things. I, I look at this motorcycle. I mean, you may walk up, walk up and say, man, this is a fine motorcycle. Look at this thing. And you think, whoo, I'd love to have one like that, but I can't afford something like that. But yet it, keep, it keeps coming back to you. You know why? Well, people say, that's just greed. No, that's not greed. That's faith insisting that you possess this possession. That's faith saying, you have enough power in me to get that. If you're willing to believe what I'm telling you. It insists on possessing that possession. And not tomorrow and not next week. Now. See, because now is a word that connects time. Faith is a now concept. See, when someone tells you you can't do that, they're not talking to you. They're talking to themselves. Beware of their own self-doubt. See, they say, you can't do that. So you must be talking to yourself. Because God said, I can do all things through Christ. Now, somebody's lying and it ain't me and it ain't Jesus. You see what I'm saying? So when you understand that, my Lord, you understand that. It has to be done with imagination. So, you know, sometimes I would just sit. When I first started, I didn't imagine myself preaching. Now, I've played music to thousands of people, but I've never preached to thousands of people. I've been very successful in my life, and it's called hard work, you know. I mean, I was a rocker. Many of you know my testimony and all that kind of stuff, but never, uh, not in a church. I never expected that to happen in a church. But all of a sudden, I thought, and then I never get when I preached to 50,000 people. And let me tell you something. People say, I'd love to preach to 50,000. You know, it's easier to preach here than it is to 50,000 because that's buffet preaching. What? You can't hardly see anybody. It's thousands of people. All the faces all mingled up. So it's buffet. You know, they got to come through the line, get what they want, and they're out the door. But when you get into a place like this, you can get personal and say, the Lord said this, and the Lord said that. And let me say what I'm on. I'm walking down the side. I want to, uh, glory to God. All of a sudden, people go, oh, Jesus. And you see me walk down the line. Ever see people repent? I did this one time. I stumbled, and the man said, don't tell them. Don't tell them, please. <laughs> That's what he said. He said, I, I just I was glad he was there that I didn't fall down. You know? People repent like crazy. I, it happened at the Believers Convention here on that Wednesday night when I was walking down the mountain. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw a person go. <laughs> I knew I had a Catholic amongst us. And that was, please don't say nothing. <laughs> and God didn't tell me a word to that person. And when I went past, they went. At a believer's convention. Mm-mm-mm. So, see, without faith, you, you won't be aware of your true destination. Write that down. Without faith, you won't be aware of your true destination. And without destination, you won't be able to have motivation to move forward. If you don't know where you're going, you're not going to know what to do when you get there. Let me say it again. Without faith, you won't be aware of your true destination. And without destination, you won't be able to have motivation to move forward. See, I'm a very motivated man. I, in all my life, spiritually, physically, financially, I expect to make more money today than I did yesterday. I did pretty good yesterday. I expect it. Now, people say, that's greed. No, 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 no. No, the Bible says money answereth all things. 
Now, I don't know why everybody freaking out over money when the Bible explicitly says money answereth all things. Now, what thing you have that money can't answer? Because the Bible says it answereth all things. But you don't fall in love with money because money will never fall in love with you. Money is a tool that you use to do whatever you need to do. You live in an economic world. Do you see what I'm saying? And how it comes, uh, the Bible said the wealth of the sinner laid up for the just. That's what he says. So it's amazing how much people need money and yet refuse. They don't want nobody to know they need it or want it. When really you ought to say, yeah, I'll take that. That's not greed. That's growth. That's saying I'm taking this to do this gospel. We've got several ministries. It takes money to run your ministry, doesn't it, my brother? Steve, doesn't it? Well, that's common sense. It should. It's supposed to. You live in an economic world. Now, when you get to heaven, you won't need no money because there's no money used in heaven. There's only two places I've ever known where money's not used, heaven and Star Trek. Not used. <laughs> you know, nobody talking about no money in Star Trek. Right? Yet they believe in prosperity. How do you know that? Live long and prosper. Now, how are you going to live long and prosper if you ain't got no money? <laughs> Yet in 3 John 2, beloved, I wish above all things. How many things? All. How many things? All. How many things? Whew. That's big, isn't it? Beloved, this is God talking. Now, this is the word of God. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prosper. In other words, while you're prospering, you ought to be healthy so you can enjoy it. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he added no sorrow with it. I know a lot of sorrow for rich people. I was one of them. Before I was born again, I made a ton of money, and I had a hole in me this big. I, I don't know what it was. I needed Jesus. See, I thought Jesus was the Holy Roman Catholic Church. I thought Jesus was the a religious affiliation. No, Jesus is a person. That's what Kathy got over to me. Just accept Jesus into your life. How do you do that? Because I thought you got that when you got baptized. If you're Catholic, you know what I'm talking about. If you was Christian, were you in? i never forget my mother when she got born again. She said, Jesse, would you like to get saved? I said, from what? I never heard those words. She said, Jesse, you going to hell? I said, no, I'm not. Mama, the fix is in. The fix is in. It's fixed. She said, what do you say? I said, the fix is in. She said, what do you mean? I said, look, if I go to hell, no problem. I'm going to give a few dollars to the church to get me out of hell, put me in a purgatory. I may have to stay there a few times, a little while, then I'm going to get me out of purgatory and get me into heaven. Where did you learn that? You. That's what you taught me. That's what the priest taught me. That's what Mother Superior taught me. That was catechism taught me. Anybody ever been Catholic? Am I telling the truth? Am I telling the truth, sweetheart? Yeah, that's where it was. Well, you fix it. In. You, know, you ain't gonna stay in hell long. Yeah, get you in a purgatory. A few dollars. Notice a few dollars. They even believe money worketh in hell. <laughs> now it was wrong, but I'm saying they believed it. Isn't that amazing? So when you understand what God is saying, it. So I mean, I refuse. No matter what I see that's going wrong, to me, worry is a hijacker. Write it down. I refuse to be hijacked by worry. You have to win in your mind before you can win in your life. See, worry is a hijacker. You have to win in your mind before you can win in your life. See, when you already know you know us, when you already know you're a success going somewhere to succeed. Now you've won in your mind. And since you've won in your mind, now you're gonna win in, you're gonna win in life. You may never been so I can't afford one of these. But a fat lady ain't sung yet. See, so you got to win in your mind first. 
Once you win in your mind, you, you win in your life. You'll get you one of these. You may get two of them. J- Jerry wants 10 little Indians. <laughs> People say, that's just too much. Not to Jerry's available. There ain't nothing wrong with that. I mean, do you feel bad when you get a second helping? <laughs> Let me tell you, when you ate that second helping, was you full already? You ate that second helping for taste. You was already full. I so, said, well, I'll just have a little, another bite. Did you feel bad about it? No. No. Why would you feel bad about it if you had 10 little Indians? Don't shout me down. Listen to me. See, I got to take you where you've never been before, to go where no man has gone before. See, you have to win in your mind before you win at life. The reason why I knew I'd get Kathy Kyra, I already won that in my mind. I looked at her and said, that's mine. I had that attitude with every girl I went with. That's all I'm going to say about that, too. I didn't know for Because the statue of limitations hadn't run out on that yet, Lord Jesus. <laughs> oh, uh-uh. I didn't care who you thought. I know that sounds cocky and arrogant. And I'm not that good looking. It ain't, got to do with, it ain't got to do with good looks. Some of the prettiest girls go with the ugliest man you ever saw in your life. You know it. You see it. Is that woman blind? <laughs> to go with that ugly dude? That reminds me of a story at the Assemblies of God youth camp. I'll never forget that boy. He come up to me. There was a little blonde-headed girl. She must have been, they all 14, 15 years old. And they were going to have a banquet on the Friday night. And I was the guest speaker for the whole week. I'll never forget it. And I preached on faith. You have what you say. This boy face looked like a pepperoni pizza. <laughs> this was one ugly boy. Now, he nice as get out, but I'm talking ugly. I'm talking pepperoni, you know, big old, I mean, just pimples everywhere. Pimples. Before you hit his face, <clears throat> just get hit with all kind of, whatever, Lord Jesus. Let me just gross you out a little bit here, Lord Jesus. The boy is ugly, but he's a wonderful person. He come up to me, brother Jesse. Boy, he's all stirred up. Brother Jesse, he's revved up. He said, you see that little blonde over there? He said, I'm going to take her to the, to the banquet. I went, Boy, you better, you're going to have to ask God to strike her with blindness, boy. I mean, I had to tell him the truth. I said, son, son. He said, well, she going blind. You going to bleed with me? I said, yes, sir, I'm going to bleed with you, Lord. Grab that, you little fella. Say, Jesus, go. Glory to God. I'm going to make the sign of the cross on this one. This is going to be a miracle of God. Now, that was on a Tuesday. Wednesday, I said, did you ask her yet? No, I ain't done it yet. I said, boy. I said, somebody going to grab this girl real quick. You know, she was a, this woman was, girl was very beautiful. Well, come Friday, come Friday, he had that girl on his own. He walked to me, he went, it worked. She said, he is so nice. I thought to myself, she's blind. I never said a word. I just said, she's blind. The Lord just blind he married that girl. They're still my partners today. Yeah. He's 40-something years old, huh? He married that girl. I'll never forget I went to Shreveport. We're actually in Bossier City. Lord Jesus. He come and he said, Brother Jess, you got to see my newborn baby. I went, oh! Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord, help me. I said, my God, I hope that baby look like his mama. Lord Jesus. Now, this is one of the finest men you'll ever meet in your life. <laughs> the pretty is not in his vocabulary. <laughs> Baby's covered with a little blanket, you know. I thought, oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, Lord, Jesus. 
And, she, and his wife is prettier. She said, we have such a wonderful man. I have the greatest husband I've ever seen. And he is. I've got to say it. That's one of the finest men I've ever met in my life. He just ugly. <laughs> She's still blind. <laughs> they pull that blanket off that baby. And when I look at that one, oh, glory there. Look just like the mama. He said, she look, uh, she look like a mama. Isn't that one? I said, Jesus, don't ever do this again. <laughs> Always look like, and she looked at him. She said, "You're the best looking man I've ever met in my life." That girl need a healing, and I, oh, they was in love, still in love, still in love. Think about that. And I know that sounds terrible, but you know what? It's the point I'm getting. Over. It that was him. Oh, everybody said that, that boy ain't gonna get that. Hey, there's no way. But you see, he had a heart. He could he could cross the Jordan. He was revved up. He was ready to ride. He was looking for the promised land. Worry was not a hijacker to that boy. He had won in his mind. And when he won in his mind, he won in his life. Let me say this. What you think is connected to what you do. What you think is connected to what you do. And what you do is connected to what you'll have. And what you'll become in the process. Let me say it again. What you think is connected to what you do. And what you do is connected to what you'll have and what you'll become in the process. Think about that. I made up my mind. I'm going to have everything I ever believed for. I'm telling you that the kind of man I am, if I hadn't received and I'm dying, I'd be, I'd be shouting praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for this. I don't care what anybody says. This is my destiny, my destination. You see, and I know it's not firm unless I make the choice. He says, and I put before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And God tells you what to choose, choose life. Watch this, that you and your seed may live. Not just survive. Live. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll just give you that. I'm believing God right now for a $75 million buffer just in the ministry. <laughs> oh, it's coming, baby. <laughs> I'm believing for $200 million, Steve, for philanthropy. Come on. That's good. I pray that every day. For philanthropy. That's what we give away. Philanthropy. <laughs> then $6 billion for destiny. 14 satellites. Seven low orbit, seven high orbit. You want something to knock your lights off? At Smith and Lewinsky Steakhouse in New York, I had $6 billion on the table to get them satellites. The investor said, we want to do that. You got this thing down to a science. Mister, you can think. And the Lord said, get up and walk away. I said, Jesus, we do not want to walk away. <laughs> there is $6 billion on the table. He said, they don't understand what you want to do. I said, I'll train them. <laughs> I said, you don't want to miss yourself. Called missing God. <laughs> you don't want to be, listen to me, Jesus. I was doing everything I could. My mind my, my was going slap crazy. They were ready. He said, Ask them. You'll see what I'm talking about. So I began to ask, and all of a sudden I realized, he said, They cannot control it. I don't mind them making money. I believe in making money. They ain't the issue. That's fine. An investor should make money. That's not the issue. But they can't control it. See, the reason for these seven low orbit, seven high orbit, so no one can ever take the gospel off the airwaves. No one ever, no matter what happens. 
See, because no one owns space. If you just get up there. Just get up there. God said, walk away. That was six years ago. I was so mad. I walked away to you. Jesus, you put Jesus. He said, you disappointed? I said, more than disappointed. He said, but you obeyed me. I said, it didn't feel good. I said, we got $6 million over there, but at stake. He said, don't worry about that. So every day, $75 million buffer, $200 million philanthropy, $6 million, and guess what? Oh, Jesus. Three weeks ago, got a phone call. Out the blue. Reverend, remember me? I said, yeah, how you doing? Last time I talked to you was in New York at Smith Lewinsky. He said, that thing has been on my mind since you said it. We had tried to make that work and could not make it work. But you can run that. You can make that work. I said, oh, yeah. He said, you still interested in it? I said, oh, that's my destiny. He said, hmm. I went, hmm. I heard the other go, mm-hmm. <laughs> Just out the blue. It will generate $3 billion the first year. They're going to make money coming out of it. I don't care. Now, what are we going to do with the $3 billion? See if we own the satellites. And they're paid for. You have no notes on that. Now you sell time to all the heathen world. Three billion bucks. You still got the gospel going out. Ooh. Now, what are you going to do? Watch this. I already got that in my mind. You believe in God? They say, Jerry, you want to believe God to build a bill of the big one. How much you need, Jerry? Oh, I need $20 million. Yeah, give me a check for $20 million. Everywhere you go, man, where, where you want to build a church? Yeah, well, how much what you need? I need $30 million. Here, write that check. Bop, 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 bop. All of a sudden, the body of Christ is debt-free. All the buildings, all the church, things start happening. That's what it's for. And the gospel is being beamed out. Being, oh, that can't happen. Don't tell me it couldn't happen. Remember when you had your first, sat, first cell phone? It was this big? <laughs> now, how big is that thing now? You got a big one, too, huh, Mary? That's actually, that, this is a big cell phone. Now, this one, look at this thing, man. Oh, Jesus, they got something about like that that works the same as the big yeah. one. You see what I'm saying? Don't tell me God can't do something. You see, you think, well, I guess it didn't work. No, nah, no, nah, God never forgets. He keeps the books. Bill, you told me something I don't even know. You told me, I went, I went look at the trailer that we, the, the monies that were raised last year for the, the, the trailer for y'all outreachers. And he said, thank you for sowing in that. I said, did I sow in that? I forgot I did. I don't, see, I forget about that. Why? Because, see, once I sow my seed, that's God's been there. You know, I just throw the fertilizer on it, and I'm going on to the next seed. See, that's destiny. 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 Don't tell me I can't do it because you're talking to yourself. I know that sounds cocky and arrogant. No. No. In fact, you know, I know, I guess it's been happening to Jerry, too, you know, since we all get the gray hair and white hair, you know, they think we want to retire. Well, you know, I mean, I never thought of it, but I could. That's not the issue. I could have retired 20 years ago. You understand? I mean, finances, no problems whatsoever at all. And people say, when are you going to retire? I said, well, I don't know. Well, I guess when the Lord tells me to. And I, I, I still got more projects than you can shake a stick. I got over 9,000 requests asking me to come. It don't sound like anybody wants me to retire. I thought automatically, well, they're just going to want the younger guys, okay? Fine with me. I'll take a break. Hey, I'm all right. But it ain't happened with me. I don't mean that pridefully. Then finally I said, Lord, uh, who's my successor? And you know what he told me? There's a whole generation won't need one. I said, what did you say, Lord? I said, who's my successor? There's a whole generation won't need one. There's a whole generation won't see death. Think about that for a minute. Hey, 
Is it us? It could be. I'll tell you what, if chariots of life, y'all get on that motorcycle and start getting people saved one-on-one, Jesus will come, this baby will be over. How do I know that? When the gospel is preached to the world, the end shall come. How is it going to come? You can't go out there without money. Outreaches cost money. Why? Because money answereth all things. So don't freak out about that. Just use it as a tool. What is an oak tree but an acorn? Big old oak tree and a little acorn that produced that tree. You see, that's what God was telling Joshua. You cannot be, if you refuse to be contained, you will not be confined. No man will be able to stand before you. I'll say this in close. We have been fighting a legal battle for 11 years. Oh, no, no, since 94 with New Orleans Armstrong International Airport. Oh, I want to tell you something. Louisiana politics is like this. I'm going to make an offer you don't refuse. <laughs> Everything is under the table. Everybody tell you, buddy. You pay bribes, you do whatever. Uh-uh, it ain't happening. I'm the first person in 42 years to have their own fuel form other than an FBO. An FBO means fixed-based operator. It's a gas station on the airport where you fill up jets like you would a gas station you fill up your motorcycle. I'm the only one in 42 years has its own fuel farm. Shell Oil Company, multi-billion dollar company, couldn't get it. Louisiana Land and Exploration, couldn't get it. Texaco, big, huh? They say, That's, that preacher, how did he get that? <laughs> well, the law. <laughs> I was thinking, how am I going to do that? He said, cross the Jordan. <laughs> but I stepped up across that Jordan. And you know, I didn't walk in the water. I walked on top of that water. You can say what you want. I walked up top of that wall. I got one. Bless God. Here we go. Every place I put my foot is mine. I walked all over that airport. I said, I want my piece of property. I can build my own hangar, do all that kind of stuff. They said, you'll never get that. You will rent for us at $13,000 a month, whether you like it or not. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you'll never get that. And then they said this, your God ain't that good. You know what the Lord did? I said, <laughs> I said, they didn't stick their foot in it. They stuck their whole body in it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, come Wednesday. We signed the contract. We got the property. We're building the buildings. They are freaking out. Took a while. Why did it take so long? You know what people would do? Uh, well, Brother Jesse, I certainly hope you get that. I didn't need that. See, they're trying to give me a little sympathy. I don't need sympathy. Yeah. I'm believing with you. You lying. You ain't believing with me. I had a God tell me up there. Hey, people lie to your faith. I was in California. I was going to preach there in Bakersfield. And I stopped. The man said, my God, you're a careful little dollar. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. You're a careful little dollar. I said, you like my program? I watch it every day. <laughs> Wait, the story ain't over. I said, well, I certainly hope you enjoy it. Because I certainly work hard on that television. He walked off, bless God. <laughs> he come back and said, Wait a minute, man. I made him say, You ain't Creflo. You Jerry Savelle, aren't you? Yeah, I said, Yeah, you that Jerry Savelle boy. I said, I said, well, you like my program? Yeah, I watch it every day. He went through the whole line. 
finally come back and said, wait a minute, you Jesse DuPont. I said, you finally got it. <laughs> he must have been at a believer's convention. <laughs> that lion dog. He ain't watched that program. He just wanted to talk. Which leads me to this last point. If you want to be on the right path, you need light. That light is a relationship with God. Got to have light. I mean, I love coming because I know I get to ride in something I've never rode before every time I come to one of these chairs like me. I was just waiting on you. I was at Jerry's house like a kid. <laughs> he said, we're riding in the suburban. Oh, Jesus. I ain't talking about Carolyn suburban. I'm talking about, what? Lord Jesus. I got that thing. I said, what kind of power this thing got? I said, what? I want it. Go slow. Let somebody see me. Go slow. Jerry Ann saw it. She said, I got to get in the back too. Lord. She had to, we had to pull. Yeah, women got to get it. They got to own something too. Dad, is this mine in your will? <laughs> All this kind of stuff. Man, I ran out there. I said, good. I had never rode in cars like that in my life till I met Jerry Savelle. Last year, rode in that, was it Roadster? What you call it? That red one? That Roadster? Roadster? Is that, that's right. Yeah, Lord Jesus. Good God. Well, just make spit come out. <laughs> Drive up there and there's a, with a 46 truck and then he gets a 46 Harley on the back of it. Jesus, man. And y'all, I, mean, I don't mind taking pictures with you, but not when I'm looking at a 46 Harley. I mean, I'll take pictures with everybody. It's not this, I'm just going. <laughs> Jesus, look at this. Man, he said, you want to go in my shop? Because of the shop, I call it a museum. We open the door. Gas, fume hits you. Go, huh. I take a nose hit. I am. I might know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Bunch of ex-heathens in this place. Oh, you Christians don't know what I'm talking about, but I know. <laughs> I took a bunch of nose hits in there, boy. <laughs> And then Carolyn says, I ain't been in here in a year. I had to say it, make the sign of the cross on that. <laughs> what are you talking about, my God? God, I don't know. A dream that became a reality. You know why I got it? Because that beautiful suburban we just drove. You ever see, when I saw it, you could walk through the side panel. And if, you, if your foot didn't go through the floorboard, rusted, beat out, but, but Jared didn't see it beat up. He saw it perfected. He saw the harvest, not the seed. I got to ride in the harvest tonight. I get to ride back in the harvest tonight. They got a big back seat in the back, too. Come on, Kathy. <laughs> Look at Kathy. So I can't believe he said it. I can't believe Wow, I thought, man, they brought me, bring me back to the young days. What's up, baby? How you doing? <laughs> I thought, oh, man. I said, how old is it? 1951. So most of you wasn't even born in 1951. I was born, I was two years old. I was born in 1949. I'm 68 years old. And I thought, man, man. And Jerry Ann said, take a picture. I said, I told Tony, I said, get a picture of the chrome in the front. Just get a, don't just get a white pen. Get a picture of this thing in the front. Because I'll tell you, anybody that knows something about cars or uh, antique cars, when they're going to see that, they're going to go, ha, ha. 
See, because they, they, they appreciate the harvest. But what's so wonderful about them, they saw it when it was just a rust bucket. But they wouldn't move by what they saw. They moved by what they believed. They just needed light. They needed some designer, somebody, to put their hand on it. And somebody did, right there. Some, some man, Jerry knows. He said, I said, who, did, who does this work? And he told me, and, and I thought, my Lord. Then it dawned on me, that man's anointed to do that. Because he's got to look beyond the rust and all the other stuff. But did it make no difference? Did it take, what, years to get that thing to look like that? Because those kind of things don't happen overnight. You see, when you were born, again, it takes a while to develop you. You see? You revved up, you're ready to go, but you got to have an engine. You see, so God made you join the chariots of light. The chariots of light. Not the chariots of darkness. Which means this everywhere you go, everywhere you step, light explodes. Which means that people can see what to do, when to do it, where to do it, and how to do it. That's what it's all about. That's the reason for this ministry. It's not just riding, which is fun. Don't misunderstand me, that's nice. But what's so wonderful is when you stop somebody from going to hell because of a motorcycle. Just because somebody starts talking about them, oh, that's a pretty motorcycle. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. All of a sudden, you're able to talk, well, what do y'all do? Are you one of them Christian bikers? Well, more than that. More than that. I'm I'm your destiny. This is no accident that you met me today. And I have some light that you need to get out of darkness and all of a sudden God begins to flow. I like a designated runner. I really do. Glory to God. <laughs> a designated runner. Do you see that? Do it again, young man. Come on, do it again. Tell, come on. I'm a designated runner. Go ahead. Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hey, glory to God. <laughs> yeah, that's what I like. I like it. Most people say, I'd never do that. You ain't never been him. That took light to do that. Think about that. 